Well, good morning, Arbor. How you doing? I'm thrilled to be uh, starting a new series today. I'm, I've been looking forward to doing this series in particular at this particular time of our season as a church, and so I'm, uh, I'm pumped to dive on in. Uh, we're calling this thing text, and you'll figure out as we go along. Uh, how many of you, when you were in school, you learned about Ivan Pavlov? Anybody hear of that guy, know what his deal is? Yeah, there you go. Very famous uh, man who uh, won the Nobel Prize, I believe, in 1902 for his experiments uh, with a dog, of all things. And so the idea was that he would create a conditioned response. They called it classic conditioning. And so uh, he, his idea was is uh, they brought food to the dog, and the dog would naturally salivate at the sight of the food, right? Naturally salivate. The food's right there. And so uh, the idea was that, um, that they would ring this bell at the same time, and eventually you would just salivate at the sound of the bell, or the dog would actually salivate at the, the, the um, sound of the bell. So it's called conditioned or classic conditioning response is what they found out. When I was a kid, and I grew up, there was a whole different type of conditioning that I had. I don't think uh, this was in most people's homes, but this was what I was conditioned to. Anybody know what this is? So when I grew up, truly, on the farm, when we were out on our property or whatnot, my parents, if my mom wanted to get a hold of me, she would do this. I tell you, right now, just that sound inside of me inside of me makes me feel like, oh my gosh, that is like, I absolutely 1000% need to run back home right now. I need to run to Eatonville in this moment when I hear that sound, conditioned response. We have a conditioned response, truly, in our culture. Um, and our sounds a little bit more like this. This is our conditioned response. What's been funny as you've been listening as I started, and it's been distracting you, I've watched multiple people reach for their purse, go for their pocket. Is that me? Is that somebody else? We're conditioned, are we not? Truly. It does not matter if we're in a conversation. It doesn't matter if we're in church, if we're in a meeting. When, you know, like we could be at the altar on our wedding day, and if we hear this sound right here, this vibrating sound, we are compelled to check our text. We need to look at it. We need to see what it has to say. In fact, it shouldn't sound, it, we, we respond as if it sounds more like this right here. <laughs> Mom! 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 Mommy! Mommy! Mama! Mama! That was Garrett, that last, that last sound right there. <laughs> you guys, we are trained to check our text. We are compelled to check our text. When I was a kid, and if the phone rang, you know what we did? Like, and, and my, if we were having dinner, what my family used to say, my dad used to say, well, just, just let it ring. If it's important, they'll what? They'll call back later. Correct. We don't do that now. We need to know real time. Technology went along, and as things went along, and the phone would ring again, and we're still at dinner, all of a sudden, we would let it ring, but we would say a different phrase. It wouldn't be let it ring, they'll call back later. We would say, let the, the machine get it. Exactly. So if you're around for answering machines, you let the machine get it. We don't wait anymore. We are conditioned. We must read what is on the screen, because we must know. And that is the thing, you guys. We 
always read our texts. Always. I'm, I mean, all of us. I do, you do, we always read our texts. I know this by the language that we use. So when we say something, we say, uh, we never say, did you read my text? When we ask someone, did you read my text? What do we say? Did you, did you get my text? Because if you got my text, I assume that you're going to read it because everybody reads their text. I looked at the stats. Text messaging, I thought this was crazy. I did not believe this was the case. Has a 99% open rate. 99% open rate is what it has. And out of those 99, 90% of those are open within the first three minutes of the texts. 90% within the first three minutes. And so for your people who are like, well, I didn't see your text. You're lying. You're lying. You saw my text. We always read our text. I do, you do, we always do. You've never heard anybody say, you know, I, I got your text message, but I didn't read it because uh, I don't like to read You've never heard that, and yet I have heard that excuse used, that similar excuse used to a very important text that we have received. Let me ask a silly experiment. If you were to receive, you got to participate in this, all right? You got to just raise your hand. That's all you got to do. If you were to receive a text from your mother, would you read it? Raise your hand. There you go. If you would receive a text from your boss, would you read it? Less hands on that one. I see that. All right. There you go. If you would receive a text from your wife or your husband, would you read that? There you go. It's important. Tom Hanks. If Tom Hanks called you, would you do that? Would you, would you read that text? Tom Hanks was recently voted the most trusted person in America, just so that you know. Every single person would read that text. Here we go. If the president of the United States texted you, would you read it? You're liars. You would all read it. You would, if the president of the United States texted you, you'd read it. I'm not saying you'd respond. I'm just saying you would read it. Truly, you would read it. If God himself sent you a text message, God himself, Jesus decided he wanted to send you a text, how amazing would that be? Would you read it? Absolutely. And as silly as this is, the cheesy truth is God has sent us a text message from heaven. He truly has. Yet for some reason, most of us, we do not read it. The Bible is often revered, but very rarely read. That is the sad, unfortunate truth. And something I've learned through ministry is that the Bible is often revered, but rarely read. This book that I'm holding right here, this text message from God, is truly God speaking to us. That's what it is. Uh, God, this is what the Apostle Paul says. He says, all scripture is God-breathed. That means that it's all inspired by God, that this is God's word given to us. These are his words written through his people to our ears. And it is useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training in what? In righteousness, which means right living. God is speaking to us through his text, and yet the majority of us, we just, we just don't read the text. We unfortunately choose not to read the text. God's word, this, this, this text message that we've received from him is completely 1,000% powerful. Hebrews 4 tells us, for the word of God is alive and powerful. 
It is sharper than the sharpest two-edged sword, cutting between soul and spirit, between joint and marrow. It exposes our innermost thoughts and desires. It is powerful, you guys. I was trying to think of the most powerful thing on the planet that I could think of. I think of like the atomic bomb and how much death that that can throw out. But this thing gives life. It is more powerful than anything that man could possibly create. And yet, we don't read the text. It's eternal. God's word says, heaven and earth, they will pass away. My words, or this word right here, will never pass away. Peter says, the grass withers, the flowers fall, um, but the word of the Lord endures. For how long? Forever. It's eternal. It is eternal. And and maybe that's why we don't read it. We think, well, I'll get around to it because it's eternal, right? But yet we choose not to read the text. It's also personal. It's not only God's word. It's not only powerful. It's not only eternal. It is personal. Moses said this. He says, take to heart all the words. Um, They are not just idle words for you. They are, I love this, your life. They are your life. This is so important. And yet we choose not to read it. Here's another way to explain it. Check out this video. It gives you an idea of what God's word is. text from God, this beautiful book, the most printed book since the printing press, it's still been number one every single year since the printing press was invented, has shaped who you are whether you choose to acknowledge it or not. And the reason I know that is because it has shaped our laws and our justice system in this country. It has shaped the school districts in which we grew up and we learned in. It has shaped the medical industry and how things are done there. It shaped our calendar, separated from B.C. to A.D. We've got Easter, we've got Christmas. The arts, there's paintings, sculptures, music, museums. Because of this book, it's shaped. It shapes how we eat, especially on Sundays when Chick-fil-A is closed. It shapes how we eat. I mean, maybe that's you. I drive in on Sunday mornings and I'm like, curse you, Chick-fil-A. I respect you, but I hate you, you know? It shapes how we eat. It shapes everything about us, whether we choose to believe it or not. People have sacrificed for this book to be in our hands. Sacrificed. The toll, the estimated toll for the amount of martyrs for this book and for us to be able to read it is at 70 million since the time of Jesus. 70 million people have given their lives so that we could hold this in our hand and read God's message to us. That's staggering, a staggering statistic. It is still outlawed today in certain countries. In fact, 
uh, uh, one of the missionaries that we support, the Wongs, who are friends of mine, they, they, um, they are in China. And if they're found with a Bible, they can be thrown in jail, right? They could be excommunicated out of here or something worse. But truly, they cannot even have a Bible in their house, so they kind of kind of smuggle them in and hold them in there so that they don't get seen because they can't be teaching God's word openly and publicly. Friends, this book is not just a book. It is more than a book. It's more than a text message. It's a really long text message. I get that. I totally do. But we owe it to ourselves to read it for ourselves. We owe it to ourselves to actually pick it up and to read it. And so my goal for today, and and really for this series to a degree, is very simple. It's just this. (laughs) Read the text. Wherever it is, If it's on your shelf and it's collecting dust, go find it. Pick it out, dust it off, open the pages, just read it. Just crack it open and read it. If it's, I mean, download an app, do whatever you have to do. We're going to do everything in our power to help you and to, to, to to inspire you to pick up the book and to read it. And here's why. is because, honestly, this book, it changes lives. It has been doing that forever since its existence. This is how we get to know who God is. Is that not crazy? The primary way in which God communicates to his people is through his word. Yes, God communicates to us through um, nature. We can see his existence, his beauty. He communicates to us through other people. He communicates to us through his Holy Spirit. But the clearest way that we have been communicated to is through his word. It's about relationship. Right? This is how God tells us who he is, and in turn, it's how he explains who we are and how we're supposed to live. It inspires us, it connects us, it encourages us, it challenges us, it saves us. The words of life sit in this book. In fact, what was crazy is at one point in Jesus' ministry, when he was sharing the good news of the kingdom to everybody, people started to walk away from him. The teachings were too crazy. They, they, they thought, that's too much. Jesus, you've gone too far. They got angry. They got fronted. They said, this is nuts. This new thing that has been created, what you're doing right now, this new movement, it's too much. And so people started to get up in droves and left. The crowd started to leave. And then Jesus, I don't know what he was thinking in that moment, right? Probably heartbroken, turns to his disciples and said, are you guys going to go too? Are you going to walk away? The 12 that he brought close to him. And here's what Peter said. It says, Simon Peter answered him, Lord, to whom shall we go? You, so only you, have the words of eternal life. Yet, guys, if we're talking reality here, most of us, we don't read it. We don't read it. We, we, we say it's big. We, we revere it. We look at it. We say, this is amazing. This is God's word. This is truth. But yet we don't read it. And so what I want to do for the next few minutes is I want to spend time walking through the list of excuses that I have heard from people over the years of why they will not pick up this book and read it. I want to walk through them. Let's start with probably the biggest one that is almost everyone's number one excuse on this, and that is this. I don't have time. I don't have time to read this. And I get this. Please hear me on this one. I get it. I get it. I get it. I'm a dad. I've got little kids. They're crazy. They suck up every ounce of time I have. In fact, 
Good, they just left the room just a second ago. So I just remembered they were in the back, they're gone. Can you, oh, she can hear me. Sorry, Paisley. <laughs> we'll talk later. All right. But I love every second that they suck up. <laughs> I do. It's, and I really do. But I also am working and I'm a husband, and I've got friends who have needs, and, I ha and we're always busy. We're stretched this way, stretched that way. I get it. But we all know this too. We make time for what is important. Every day we eat food. Why do we eat food? Uh, you're raising your hand. Please tell me. Why do we eat food? Because it's good for you. That's good. That's right. Is this good for you? Truly, we eat food to survive right? We eat food to grow. We need to have it every day. We make time for that. Here's what Jesus says as well. He says, man shall not live on bread alone, but on every word that comes from the mouth of God. This is more important than food. It truly is more important from food. It's, it, it is. When you got your yearbook, remember back in the day when they had yearbooks? And all of a sudden, like, everybody's signing them, and you wanted that one person to sign your yearbook, that one person, right? You, you handed it to them, you know, you, you've liked them for a long time. You can't wait to find out what they're going to say in the yearbook. You handed it to them. You couldn't wait to rip open the pages and see what they had to say, right? And you didn't do it right in front of them because that would look just way desperate, Way too desperate. So you just waited till they walked away and then they casually walked away. And then you're like, oh my gosh. And you're searching, where did they write? Where did they write? Um, and you're looking for their per picture because you already know where it is. And then you find it. And under her picture, it says, you know, it's been real, it's been fun, but it's not been really fun um, or whatever. You know, you just, you find it. You make time. You could wait a second. Or if you get a love note from somebody that you just, that, that just your heart and you've been waiting to hear from them, do you not just devour that? Do you not just read it over and over and over again? And sometimes you even have tears on it. Maybe it's just me. Maybe I just cry over those things, right? But you're like, there's tears on those things. And the pages are worn. And why are they worn? Because it's a love note to you. Friends, this text is a love note to you from God, from someone who will love you more completely and fully than anybody else you'll meet on this planet. We've got to read this text. We've got to read it. And not having enough time and not making enough time for it is not a good enough excuse. We make time for the things that matter. Other excuse I hear is this, is that people will say, I don't believe it. I don't read it because I don't believe it. And that's just to me, that's a, that's a funny statement when someone says that because uh, we read the internet, right? <laughs> And do we believe everything that's on the internet? No, we do not, right? But yet we still read it. When did all of a sudden that believing it must be a precursor for reading it? Truly, I think I started reading this thing with more doubts and got clarity to my doubts in that process. And so truly, we don't read anything that we see because we believe it. We don't pick it up the newspaper. If anyone ever picks up a newspaper anymore and goes, well, I don't read that because I don't believe what's in it. Or I don't read those advertisements on the sign because I don't believe it. And maybe you don't. Yeah, we, we don't. We know half those advertisements are Photoshopped and lied and things of that nature. But yet we still read it, right? Because it's in front of us. We got to put this right in front of us and we got to read it. And maybe you'll learn to believe it. Maybe you'll grow that direction. Maybe God will move you in that way. Maybe not but we got to read the text. Other reason 
I love this one. Number three, the reason people don't read it is I don't like to read, right? I don't like to read. I'm going to be honest now with you. I sh- here it is. And don't, I am really, I should have talked to my family before I wrote this talk. I, I do think so. I don't like everything my wife cooks. <laughs> Not everything. My wife is a phenomenal phenomenal, phenomenal cook, but not everything that she has cooked in my lifetime has been um, the best. She loves to experiment. I love that. But when she experiments, you know what I do? I eat it. I swallow it, right? I don't even plug my nose, right? I just, like, I eat it. And why do I do that? Why do I do that? Because I want to have that relationship with my wife. I want to sit down. I want to have those conversations. I want to talk to her. Right? I want to, and, and if you're like, I don't like reading, well, try audio books. Try, you know, uh, try listening to it. I love that. I love mowing the yard, listening to the word of God. I love long drives, listening to the word of God. And so if reading isn't your thing, we now live in a day and age where there's technology to get around that, where we truly can listen to it. But the reason that we do that, the reason we dive into it is because we want the relationship that comes from it. That's why we do that. Another excuse I got. I love this one. It's too hard. Bible's too hard. Well, guys, don't do anything that's too hard, right? I will tell you what hard is. Hard is what happens when you've made bad decision after bad decision after bad decision because you never read the book. And because you didn't have God in your life and the Holy Spirit guiding you along. That's, that's bad. That's, that's hard. That's difficult. And I get it. The Bible is confusing. It truly is. It's not like reading Dr. Seuss. It truly is not. But our goal here is that we want to help you in that process. Biggest question I get asked is where do we start? If I'm going to read the Bible, where do I start? Because I'm going to tell you right now, don't start in the beginning. Don't crack it open and go into Genesis. You may make it through Genesis, right? So many of us, you know what I'm about ready to say. You've done this. You've read Genesis, and you're like, that was pretty good. You get into Exodus, not bad. What the heck is Leviticus? What is Numbers? And by that time, we've given up on the Bible. It's back on the shelf, right? Best place to start, if you've never read the Bible, is the book of John. The gospel tells Jesus' story. And then from there, Read the book of Romans, and Romans will tell you what the gospel was all about. And if you're going to do this, it's important to have a plan. Truly, there is this great Bible app, completely free. It's unbelievably amazing. Um, This is where I go, and I will listen to the Bible. You go to this, and you could just push play. I'm in services before where I'm looking up the text on my phone, and then I push play on accident, and then all of a sudden it starts talking, and that's embarrassing. Um, But you can go in here and they could read it, but get a Bible plan on there. It's a great thing. They got a million of them. You could read through the Bible in a year. That's one way to go through it. Uh, you could do it topically. So there's topics on faith and love and, and things like healings. You can go through and read out of there. But make sure you have a plan. My favorite way to read the Bible, just personally, is chronologically. So how was it written in the time period? And and they actually have a plan that tells you which book comes before which book, and then you can kind of go through that in a year. I love that. 
But in two weeks, what we're going to do is we've been working on this. We're going to unleash and hand out to you a tool, grow tools that we have been developing that we want to have and put in your hands that will hopefully help you to whenever you open God's word and you look at a verse, you'll be able to identify it. You'll be able to determine the context of what was going on inside of that um, passage. And then what does it mean to me? And we're going to, in two weeks, we're going to dig into that Um, because I get it. I do acknowledge that reading the Bible can be a little bit difficult. It's not like a normal book. It's not like reading the Harry Potter book or the Hunger Games or the Lord of the Rings or anything of that nature, but it's much more valuable than that. So we got to read the text. Uh, I love this one. This excuse is really great. Uh, The pastor will read it for me. I don't read it because the pastor will read it for me. So let me give you an analogy of what that's like. That is like going to Costco on a Sunday, right, and eating all the samples, maybe even going through them twice, and then not eating again for the rest of the week and calling that a nutritious diet. It's not enough. It's not enough. Man cannot live on bread alone. Man cannot live on Costco samples alone. Truly, as wonderful as they are, it's not enough. And so you've got to learn to grow on your own. Got to learn to grow on your own. And so read the text. We've got to read the text. I love this one. This one, I've really heard this one over and over again. Reading, I don't read because reading makes me sleepy. So do hot tubs, guys, right? But we're not boycotting hot tubs right now, are we? It's crazy. And so maybe if that's you, I mean, this, if that's a really the thing, walk and read. Walk and read. I mean, you could just peripheral vision, watch where you're going, read right through here. If you fall asleep doing this, you need to go to bed, like truly. But that's a great way to do it. Just walk and read, walk slowly, stand and read, whatever you have to do. Whatever you have to do, read the book. We got to read the book. Last one. Big reason if someone's really honest why they don't uh, read God's book is because they think they might have to change. And honestly, the truth is, you probably will, but here's what's really cool. By that point, you're going to want to change. The Holy Spirit working through you as you read this book will truly convict you to a place where you're like, I want to change that in my life because that's what Jesus wants for me. And I want to know that about him. And I want to do this. And I want to do that. You will have that desire. Because this book, it changes lives. And for me personally, this book has revolutionized my life. I was asked a really good question the other day, which was, you know, hey, when did you first start to read the Bible? When I first started to read the Bible was when, um, not when I was a kid, I went to church off and on. But when I graduated high school, uh, I started to read the Bible. That was when I came to know Jesus, started to read the Bible for my own. And I worked in a sawmill at that time. And in the sawmill, I worked on a machine that was called the dryer. The, the type of, um, the type of uh, uh, mill that I was at was a veneer mill. These are the thin sheets of plywood that they make up. And so to, to give you an idea, there were three big, huge squares and stacks of plywood, if you will, or thin sheets that make up plywood. My job, Eight hours a day, sometimes nine to ten hours a day, was to do this. Take the first layer on top of, the, uh, of the, the, the first thin piece of board, flip it up so that it gets away from the other ones, push it into the machine. Walk to the next stack, flip it up, push it into the machine. Walk to the next stack, 
flip it up, push it into the machine. And this big, huge machine would all of a sudden at that point in time would go bring the, the arms down and it would take all of them and suck them into the dryer where they would dry them out as they went through really slow. Every eight seconds that would happen. So what I did when I was just so emphatically in love and wanting to get to know Jesus all I could is over on the side, right over here, they had like a little stand. And I took, no joke, this exact Bible right here, and I set it just like this, and I opened it to the book of Matthew. And what I would do is I'd go through, put them in as fast as I could, and then I would run over here where I had a little piece of paper, and then I would read as far down as I could until I heard the machine go, and it would go back up. And then I'm like, that's my cue. And I go fast as I could, fast as I could, fast as I could, all the way back over to here. And then I would read again. And uh, I'm telling you, I did this over and over again. And that is how I personally read the book of Matthew for the first time as a whole. Never read it before at that point. Had so many questions as I'm going along. But man, I, I, I loved it. They had at that sawmill, they had two different break rooms. They had the smoking room and the non-smoking room for the break rooms. Nobody went to the non-smoking break room. <laughs> nobody. It literally was nobody was there. So I didn't want to go by myself. So I would go to the break room with all my friends. And I would sit down and I would open my Bible and I would read it as I ate my lunch. They called me preacher boy. They called me Bible man. They made fun of me. It was awesome. So awesome. I'm so hungry for this thing because this thing changed my life. And I know that it would change your life if you just give it a shot. And we owe it to ourselves to read it for ourselves. We can't allow somebody else to just tell us what is inside of it. We have to read it for ourselves. And some of us, we started off and we would devour the pages but it's like being away from a friend for a long time and forgetting what he's like. We gotta come back and read the love letter that God has written to us. That's our goal, that's our hope. That's the one thing I'm hoping that you would do here, guys, is this, is I plead, I beg, I'm on my knees. Let's just read the book collectively as a church. Let's just do that. Let's start small, little, little, little bite size. Let's, let's tackle this. Read the book. Open it up, pick it up, and just read it. And let's do that together. Amen? Amen. Amen. This thing is amazing. This book is just, I'm so thankful for it. Let me do this. Let me pray, and then I'll tell you where we're going from here.